Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Cyber Sleuth Podcast. This is a podcast about fraud, identity theft, and cybercrime trends, both new and emerging, that you might not know about. And we're here to give you some insight, some advice on how to protect yourself, your loved ones, your children, and even the elderly. My name is Stephen Crowley. I'm a regular. I don't know anything about cyber theft, crime, identity fraud. I've been a victim of it myself. I've had family members who have been victims as well. I'm with my BFF. We've known each other since we were, I think, 12 years old. Yeah. 12 years old. Um, he is an expert in this field, and we thought it would be a fun idea um, to educate people who may not know. Um, they might not know how to protect themselves. They might not know what's going on uh, personally. They might just be unaware of what could be happening right now in this very moment. Correct? Absolutely. So I'm with the cyber sleuth. Why don't you do um, a little introduction on you know, your credentials, what you do, and how you can help your value. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so, right. Uh, I am the cyber sleuth. Yeah. Um, but, uh, again, so you don't have to say my full name, which mm -hmm. is very important. Uh, you can just call me Cy. All right. Yeah, Cy. Cy. Yeah, <laughs> important. Um, so over the last decade or so I've, I've spent my, uh, my time, uh, my efforts towards training and basically trying to be better than the cyber criminals today. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I've pursued a number of the industry standard certifications, so certified ethical hacker, I've trained on that, uh, certified fraud examiner, uh, GSEC from SANS. So a lot of this uh, has gone into just being able to try to get out ahead of the right. criminals, right? Because a lot of times in the law enforcement investigative community, you're always behind the eight ball. Um, so uh, in, in, in that same vein, um, I've also studied to the extent now I'm a subject matter expert. Um, helped rewrite the curriculum, helped um, add some things, some some of the cyber elements for basic uh, police recruits. So um, all that does is allows me to give you some possibly unique insight. Right. So <clears throat> from the kind of um, boots on the ground type experience. So um, what we're going to try to do is give information to our, our viewers that would maybe they wouldn't see on the news mm -hmm. um, because these are going to be the newest and current crime trends. And if it helps prevent at least one person from being victimized, then you know, it's a success for us. Then that's a win. That's a win. And what so. makes you, you're, you're like the expert, right? I mean, I don't want to like toot your horn too much, but like your, your, your knowledge is sought after. Yeah. I mean, arguably just, <laughs> I mean, I'm not doing your, I mean, I'm being serious. Yeah. Just, just arguably just, you know, the expert, like, you know, I don't know that you could be more knowledgeable than I am. Right. So it's a, it's a big deal. It's a, it's a burden. You right. Know? It's a, it's a cross that you carry. Yeah. It's, it's uh, but I'm willing to do it, you know? And, um, and we love you for that. And I, and uh, for those of you who don't know, and you, I don't think you would know, um, you were before uh, the COVID-19 situation hit the country, you were um, going around the country teaching these classes, right? Uh, right. On how to, how to protect yourself all over the country. Sure. It's a, it's one of my objectives is to kind of bridge the gap between having a more technical understanding of cyber crimes and typical police investigation, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's where we're kind of lacking. So, um, my, my objective is to basically train our fellow uh, men and women in law enforcement and again, the general public be able to defend themselves against this. Right. Definitely a situation where the best defense is a good offense. Mm-hmm. And the more you know, the more you're able to share that with your friends, family, and hopefully, again, protect your children, your parents, your grandparents from becoming a victim. Right. And how, how many people, if you, if you could put a percentage on it, how many per people do you think are 
kind of unaware of maybe basic things that they can do or just have, who are just like, oh, I'm fine. Yeah. So it's, it's difficult to say, but the, the real problem with these types of crimes is even if you were aware of a typical crime, mm-hmm. right? A typical fraud scheme, if you will, they evolve constantly. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> typical, typical, let's say phone scam, for example, right? Mm-hmm. You've, you've received the phone call where it's somebody from the government. Oh yeah. Right. Saying that if you don't pay them, uh, pay your back taxes or something uh-huh. else, you have an active warrant for your arrest. Right. They're going to come to your house immediately. Mm-hmm. And send the Secret Service or the IRS uh, to seize all of your assets and uh-huh. to take you to jail. Right. A lot of us recognize that <laughs> as, a, as a standard <laughs> robocall. Yeah. Which the first tip there is that the government is not going to do anything immediately. Right. So, yeah. You, it, takes, you, it takes a while. Yeah. You shouldn't have to worry about that. So, as soon as someone says that the government's going to come do something immediately, just be like, okay, nice yeah. try. Yeah. You've already, you've already failed. Yeah. I mean, we see how the government works. You yeah. Know? It's, it's a process. It's a process. Yeah. <laughs> Everything in life, though, is, yeah. right? I mean, right. but those calls are real and it's it's crazy right. and people fall for them, right? Happens all the time. Um, and it's it's really problematic because there are certain investigative limitations and some of the kind of the intricacies that would go into that pursuit, very hard to overcome. Mm-hmm. So again, that's why I stress the fact that if you're able to avoid becoming a, a victim altogether, that's paramount. Right. So... Um, but like the, the typical scam, right? You have uh, a government official. So you have someone call you up and say, uh, can we give them a name? Yeah. Um, do they uh, give names? Oh yeah. Can you give an example? Yeah. Can so, I be the victim? Um, let's do that. Okay. So I'm, I'm going <laughs> to give you one that's just really on the nose. So, okay. um, so, um ring, 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 ring. So then you answer. Uh, hello. Uh, hello. May I speak to, uh, uh Stephen Crawley? Oh, this, this is him. Oh, hi Stephen. This is a uh, former president, Barack Obama. <laughs> uh, no way. <laughs> I'm, I'm with the federal government, obviously. Um, so I'm just doing a courtesy call to let you know that uh, there's a, a warrant um, issued for your arrest. You didn't pay your taxes last year. I didn't. No, you didn't. And uh, listen, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here to tell you that if you don't pay, uh, we're going to come to your house, seize all your assets and uh, take you to jail. But I, I, I did. My accountant sent through my taxes. Oh, well, listen, we're not going to discuss that now. Okay. <laughs> so Obama impression aside, uh, basically that's, that's what happens. That's a real conversation. That's, it's a very possible conversation. Okay. Typically they won't go as bold as to impersonate so, one of the former presidents, but um, they will say, and, and listen, they'll start to cite us legal code back to you and, and make it very believable. But how do, here's, here's my question. Like how, how, what's the uh, hook, line and sinker for that, for that scam that like, so I, I, I tell them, oh no, I paid my taxes. What is, how do they circumnavigate around, right. you know, the objections, right? Because it's basically a sales pitch. Right. You know, it's like, it's in sales. It's like, you tell, you no, no, no. And you're trying to right. circumnavigate those no's into yeses. So how, right. what is the, pro, what is the next step in that process? So it's, it's if I tell you, no, I, I paid them. Right. Well, then they're going to start to use ambiguous language mm-hmm. and start to reference, oh, you're, uh, yes, you did pay your last year's taxes, but your 2016 taxes, there was an issue. Oh, you underpaid. Okay. So you'd have no way of recognizing that right. at that exact time when you're taking the phone call. And, and typically, sorry, and typically if you are uh, uh, backed up on your taxes, it's not from last year, right? It's always right. like in real life though, right? right. Like if it's, the IRS will hit you for something you did in 2015, let's say. Right. Okay. Yeah, no, and that's exactly it. So they'll, they'll appeal to your inability to recall okay. trivial details from years ago, yeah. right? So what they'll do then is they'll create that sense of urgency. And mm-hmm. that's why they use the language immediately. Mm-hmm. 
we're coming to your house now. <laughs> so all of a sudden, are you dressed? Yeah. So <laughs> if, even if you're a, 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 a rational uh, minded individual, you'd go, doesn't sound reasonable. Now the particularly devious part of the scam is over the years it's evolved. Mm-hmm. A lot of us recognize that call. Right. I get that call 10 times a day. Oh yeah. And so a lot of times it's just an automated message. The IRS is coming to seize your taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please call us at 1-800, whatever. Um, problem is now so they'll take that same approach they'll have a conversation with you right and then they'll say well listen your name is Stephen crawley it is right your date of birth is and they'll give your date of birth that is and it'll be correct (laughs) (laughs) you got it right that's it so so just you know i'm a i'm a scammer that's that's how that works um and then they'll even go as far as to give you your social right so now all of a sudden you're going well this doesn't seem like a totally anonymous call of course now you're a little concerned right of so, course, someone repeats your social back to you. That should be like your private information. Your alarm bells are certainly going right. off right at that point. Um, even if you were still skeptical at that point and you say, listen, I don't believe this. I'm not, I'm not giving you any money. All of a sudden, they'll then say, well, listen, to help prove this, because we don't want you to go to jail. We want you to keep your assets too. Yeah. We're going to have your local police department call you. And you're going to go, okay, sure, right? Yeah. Of course you are. All of a sudden, your phone rings and you see a phone number displayed on your phone. Right. That is your correct local police department's phone number. The, the, the number. The number. Okay. So you click over and you say, hold on, let me just see what that's about. You answer the phone. And all of a sudden they say, hi, this is Chief John Smith. And you know your local police chief's name is John Smith. <laughs> so now what do you do as a, as a, as a normal, right, as right, a normal right. citizen, normal consumer? You're sitting there going, well, this sounds consistent with every fraud scheme I've ever heard about. Right. right. We watched the Cyber Sleuth show. We know yeah. that's fraud. Yeah, we know it's fraud. But now they're giving me my name, my date of birth, my social. social. Now the chief of police is calling mm-hmm. and they're right around the corner. So they could theoretically come get me in 15 minutes. <laughs> Shoot, I better do something. So now you click back over and inevitably they're going to then direct you to your local uh, a local grocery store or a big chain store like a Walmart or Target. But wait, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but wait, <laughs> because it always comes back to like buying gift cards or something. Right. So like, <laughs> yeah, but here's my here's my issue. And I know people fall for it. Right. But like. That's all. That's what's insane about repeating the social back. You would think that at this point, like if they're able to get your social, which is, I think that's an, the next question I probably have for you. Sure. Um, is why are they sending you down to Walmart? Like it's that that's the end result to these scammers, right? Right. It's always Walmart. The IRS doesn't take gift cards for Amazon, right? Unless they do now, they sh- they might, right? I mean, it's a great company, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great company. But they do, um, they do always lead you back to gift cards, and people still fall for that. Right now, what gift cards are they buying? Like, what is what is? Yeah, so they'll they'll do Google uh, Google Play Store. They'll okay. do iTunes gift cards. They'll do some of the vanilla cards. Do they do Visa like the Visas and Amexes? So right, the the generic the gift cards like the traditional gift cards. Yeah. The important thing for them is to target any kind of card that allows them to extract the funds remotely. Okay. Because what they do is after the victim buys those cards, they then ask for the, uh, the redemption code on the back. Okay. They scratch off that code. Once you read them that plus the account number, and a lot of times you're not even reading it to them, you're taking a picture and sending it to them. Okay. But once they have that, they can theoretically extract those funds anywhere in the world. The funds that you loaded onto the gift card. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So here's my question. Why don't they, and uh, why, why is it always gift cards and never like your debit card, your credit card? The reason being is you'd have to go through other avenues of liquidating those funds. So if you're going to, going to get a credit card number, you have to then make a purchase online mm-hmm. and then at some other point, you know, sell it on some, some website, whether it be Craigslist or 
one of those uh, offer ups or what have you. But the funds on a gift card, they're direct. They're they don't require a bank account. It's it's instantaneous. So do here do they use like if if you go down you're like oh here you got a Walmart gift card do they use the wall or are they selling the value of the gift cards in exchange for cash it's or it's it, everything yeah it's it's really kind of the whatever flavor they've chosen to participate in okay and the gift card thing is that comes with its complications but now what we're seeing which is the new aspect of this again a new variation so not only have you introduced elements of phone number spoofing and identity theft where they're actually giving your identity information, but they're also now directing people to go to their local ATM, uh, Bitcoin ATM. Oh, okay. So they send you the QR code yeah. um, or, or the public key and you go there. Um, they'll give you the exact directions and they'll keep you on the phone the whole time. Cause mm-hmm. again, they'll tell you, listen, if we lose connection, I don't know. I can't be held responsible. <laughs> if the, the cops, is if cir- John Smith comes. Yeah, they're just circling around your house right now, waiting for my word. So it's um, like in Goodfellas with the helicopter. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and, it, and it's and unfortunately people, they, basically what they do is they, they create that sense of urgency and that fear. So it gets you off your game and you're like, oh shoot, I better participate. Right. Then people, unfortunately, are going to these, these ATMs, these Bitcoin ATMs, I should say, um, and they're depositing funds. And once that happens, it's, it's a very difficult process. Um, not impossible, but difficult process for us to then track. The Bitcoins. Right. Because that- The cryptocurrency, any kind of exchange, whether it's Bitcoin or one of the other ones. Is, is Bitcoin, so they would, so they would t- in that case, are they using their debit or credit card to purchase Bitcoins and then send them? So is that how the Bitcoin thing works? Uh, a lot of times what I'm seeing uh, more often than, than any other kind of purchases, they'll actually go get cash and deposit the cash into the machine. Okay. And then they'll send the money that way. So it's, it's, it's a direct cash to Bitcoin exchange. Now, how do, are these scammers located for the most part? I mean, I'm sure there's, they're everywhere, but for the most part, are they out of the country? Are they in the States? So a lot of times these guys, they think by using spoofing apps and, um, and cryptocurrency type of transactions that they're untraceable. Okay. But one of the biggest messages I want to get out is that's not the case. And the reason I want you to get- You can find them. Yes, we will find you. <laughs> and we will get you. Liam Neeson. Yeah. You will Liam Neeson them. Over our years, we've developed a very particular set of skills. So- um, What a great what a great set of, what a great franchise, by the way. Yeah, fantastic. Great fantastic. Franchise. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> it's one of these things where I, I want to get the word out that we, we can pursue these guys. Now, the- complication we come into is a lot of times they will turn out to be overseas. Okay. Um, so there's, there's a little bit of difficulty there. Sometimes we'll try to coordinate with the overseas authorities and see what we can produce. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times it makes it very difficult for us to, um, to get some kind of benefit back to the victim. And that's our biggest issue. So once you send those funds, it's, it's gone. It's, it's, it's unfortunately, yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge um, for us to get those funds back. So now, you said they're using your uh, social, which is something I'm like curious about because how, how are they able to, like, where's the database from everybody's socials that, that, that the, these people have access to that they're able to shoot back and how do they know it's right? Because when I was um, doing real estate sales, right, you would cold call right. people. It's, right. it's kind of very similar. It's like, you have a listing for sale. It's now expired. I'm like, oh, let me see if, you know, the cyber sleuth wants to sell his, uh, right. sells his beautiful uh, mansion paid in, in, Bit- in bitcoins. And this, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I would call him up and sometimes the number was right. A lot of the times the yep. number listed is not right. Is it, are they just throwing, you know, at, at the fan or the wall and seeing what sticks and like every, for every thousand phone calls, they get a handful, right? 
So it depends on the degree of sophistication for the criminal, right? Okay. If um if you do a simple Google search, mm-hmm. you'd be surprised what information you can find about yourself. Like my social? <laughs> it's possible. Okay. So you, you do one of these searches and you end up locating a lot of information that's disturbing um, about yourself. But um, the more sophisticated ones will actually go on the dark web mm-hmm. and they'll pay for personal identification information. So people's identities. Right. And that will be true. It, it, it typically true information. Uh, correct information, I should say. When you're, when you're purchasing it. When the criminals are purchasing, yeah. I mean, so basically all these major data breaches, right? Like Yahoo's and Equifax and mm. um, eBay. I mean, you're talking about millions upon millions of personal identifications. Um, and so just identities, right? How many? Do you have the number on that? Um, it's, it's, it's probably triple, if not quadruple, if not even more than that, uh, than the number of individuals living in the United States. We have like, what, 328 million, give or take. So bad news, folks. Yeah. <laughs> your identity yeah. has probably been stolen, yeah. or at least your information is out there and right. compromised. Without question. Okay. And the thing is, like, the Yahoo breach alone, I think off the top of my head, it was something like 500 million identities. And, and that's, that's a bunch of different pieces. So whether that's a social or a login or a username or something, but all of this is basically what they use then to manufacture some kind of scheme against you. Okay. So, but that's, that's the bad news as far as us as consumers, us as people, our identities are probably stolen. Mm -hmm. So part of what we want to do here is to make sure that we give our viewers, our listeners practical tools to protect themselves. Right. So the whole concept of I'm going to protect my identity, I'm going to shred all my pieces of mail and I'm going to just make sure who I, (laughs) you should do it right. Just so you don't make it easier, (laughs) but your information is probably compromised. Okay. That's the bottom line. See, I was, I was, um, I was thinking that, you know, I just got hit uh, for $3,000 on my Amex and it was, it was a physical, like it was, a, it was, um, I forget, what is it called when it's not online? It shows up as a card, not present. Yeah. Or oh, you're saying a card. Well, so the other like, card, right. They card physically present. went in the store and used. So it'd be a card present and they actually presented a physical card. Right. Yeah. So, um, like I'm at the point where I'm like, you know what? I don't I don't shred anything because like you're saying your information's probably out there. There's just so much, right? There's there's the internet. There's every every time you sign up for something. Like I have I have probably no joke nine different emails and they're all used for different things. Right. Like I have a an AT&T one that's used for every nonsense uh discount code to, to sign up for right. or basically like a spam email. It's a spam email. Set up for, right, exactly. Um, but you still have to like even when you set up spam emails, you're still, you know, giving your information there's still certain, and so a lot of the times they want like your main email just in case you get locked out of this right. email. Um, but what I see too is, uh, is uh, uh, you, you have, you know, social media stuff that's getting hacked as well, where sure. you get locked out and you'll, they, you know, they'll, they'll hold your, uh, your accounts for ransom right. for money. So I guess like here is like, yeah, there's all this stuff going on. How, what are some like a, simple step right or what are ways that people can other than shredding their papers um that they might not be aware of that they just do because they think oh it's, sure it's fine so the best one of the truest and best methods to protect your identity um in my opinion my recommendation would yeah. be to place a credit freeze on all your pro on all three major credit what bureaus. does that mean so essentially it's a little bit of a hassle for you as a consumer so mm-hmm. when you go to apply for credit. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have to go out of your way to unfreeze your credit. But what it uh, what it does is it disallows them from 
them being criminals from applying your identity to get some some credit, some line of uh, to a new credit card. Now, what is a credit freeze like a what is it? just break it down? Because like I'm a little lost and people credit freeze is something you do once. Like, let's say you have two credit cards and you're like, this is it. Right. Is a credit freeze mean like your credit's frozen or like you can't get new cards? So you would be prevented from applying for a new line of credit. So if you wanted a new Chase card or a Capital okay. One, you, would, you wouldn't have to go out of your way to unfreeze your credit. Okay. So like right now, I would say most people then do not have a credit freeze. Probably not. Because yeah. right now I could, you know, go to Credit Karma right now. And, right. and, and that's every time a, um, your, well, what, does it work if, if you're applying for an apartment or if you're going to buy a car, it works like you have to unfreeze it for anything. Right. So anyone, anyone who is going to extend you anything of value, any money okay. on credit, they will, they will submit an inquiry, right? right. Um, and what that will return is the credit is unavailable and then they'll probably have some recommendations to have the customer contact them or a bureau to figure out why. Does that hurt your credit? It won't hurt your credit. No. Okay. So having the freezes is, is it's one of the best methods because essentially you disallow them um, from being able to monetize or create anything of value from your credit profile. Right. So if it's locked down, there's really no benefit to them. And while it might feel extremely personal when these people victimize us, right, as, right. as victims of identity theft, all you are is some data on a page that they bought. Right. So they plucked you out of cyberspace, used your identity, and once they've once they're no longer able to get anything of value from it, they move it's on. Tossed away. It's it's not worth the time. So they take your profile. They bought it off the dark web. Um, God Do knows where it was compromised from. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, they try to apply for a line of credit with uh, American Express, and American Express denies them. Mm -hmm. Because your credit's frozen. Right. There's no, there's no further benefit or there's little benefit to continue on with your profile. So they, it's their, their whole thing is just pretty much cold calling. It's like, all right, if it, if it doesn't work, you move on, hang up the phone. And credit freeze, you said, is like, I'm, I'm going to have to do that once we're done with this. Because <laughs> yeah. like, are, you have, you tell everybody that's like you're yeah. the first step you can do. Well, so that's one of the things we're, we're going to do is we're going to upload a video. We'll show exactly step-by-step step how to do that with the three major credit bureaus. So okay. you will be able to do that with Equifax, uh, TransUnion, and um, Experian. Experian. Um, so it's a very simple process. Um, you just need to do it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we'll discuss as we go on with the series is um, not only, again, protecting yourself, but protecting your children. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. That's one of the biggest concerns that I see. Um, okay. You have a uh, child who's newly issued a social security number. Theoretically, if you haven't done your due diligence and protected their identity, excuse me, <clears throat> have some water. See, I didn't know uh, you could, you could, a child could pull out a credit line. <laughs> well, so Don't you have to be 18 cyber sleuths. <laughs> <laughs> so the problem is the social security number is, becomes key. Uh -huh. And th there's a whole, there's a whole sophisticated uh, type of fraud called uh, synthetic identity fraud. Where you basically take pieces of ident identification information, and build a person, splice it together, and build a person. Oh, so that the, sounds like a movie. It could be. It could be a cool movie. The Minority yeah. Report. It might be. A little, <laughs> yeah, like the sequel, Minority <laughs> Report. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so they take this this fresh social security number. And that's where they then build some uh, a profile off of. The problem with that is one, it's it's devastating to the financial institutions because they're losing millions uh, right. from that type of fraud. But you, as an individual, your kid. Their social security number has been compromised, right? Mm -hmm. 
when are you going to find out that their social security number has been compromised? Yeah. When they apply for credit, when they turn 18, 18 and they go to get their first credit and all of a sudden you see their credit score as low as possible and they owe a hundred thousand dollars in debt. <sighs> and you're like, what are you talking about? Little, little Johnny here has been, you know, this is his first time to apply for credit. So, um, yeah, well, we'll show you, we'll show you all how to do all that. Um, and just kind of keep it, keep you up to date with, with the best prevention methods. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Now, if 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 you if the whole the credit freeze, right? Now, what's what do you just you know? And we're gonna go and, and talk about all this stuff. But what is something that you th- that you see is kind of the most devastating thing to happen to an individual? Is it a line of credit? Is it it like what is the oh my god? I do not want that to happen to me type situation. Yeah. No, so I would say probably back to what we were initially talking about, the the phone type scams where you have a suspect directly interacting with a victim. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is when you when your identity is stolen, right, and credit's applied for, yeah. a lot of times you can file reports and have your, your credit profile absolved of any obligation to repay right. that debt because it's, it's theft, right? Yeah. The problem with these phone scams is you have victims going into their pockets to send money to the, the scammers. Mm-hmm. And the banks are not obligated to repay you. Right. So if you go into your account and you wire transfer $50,000 out. Oh, people do that. And it's on. And yeah, absolutely. And you've, you've done that consciously. <laughs> you've done it knowingly. You've signed the affidavit yeah. saying, I'm doing this under my own free will. The bank is going to say, sorry, you, you deliberately did that. That's on you. Oh, yeah. yeah of course, you were, you were scammed and you're a victim. And it's, it's devastating. But from the bank's perspective, they're not going to refund your funds. Right. So now it's incumbent upon an investigation to produce a suspect hopefully claw those funds back or pull them back. And if you don't get the funds back, it's like, oof, it's, oof, yeah, too well, uh, too well. Oof. Oh, well, it's <laughs> not too well. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things where someone who investigates these types of crimes, it, it's upsetting because you want to produce a, a positive result for the victim. Yeah. Of um, course. But you're, you're limited by, you're limited by what, I guess your capabilities are, uh-huh. but your capabilities aren't limited by your knowledge. It's more of the, the industry, the infrastructure that's set up in place. So it's, and it's if frustrating. Cookie, and if the cookie jar is empty by the time you get to it, it's empty, right? Right. And, and, and there's nothing to trace uh, or track. Then yeah, that's obviously, uh, yeah, it's a problem. Now see the uh, question that you because the banks, you, the, you know, the victim that wire wires or sends whatever it is, 50,000. Yeah. Do you now? I I was always told this to like never use. That's the reason why you don't use your debit card, especially online things of that nature, because it's not. That's your money, right, bro? That's <laughs> you it. know what I mean? <laughs> like the credit card company, they're more apt to go after and get their money back, right? Right. Uh, um. Where if it's your money, I, I think it takes a little bit longer, or it's 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 harder to prove. I don't know. Well, so the proving aspect would, would still come down to the kind of the investigative findings, but you're spot on with, from the standpoint that those are your funds that have been depleted, yeah. right? So as you're issuing checks and everything, all of a sudden now all of your auto pays are, are going out as they're scheduled to, uh-huh. and your checks are bouncing unbeknownst yeah. to you because your account's been drained. Yeah. Whereas if it's credit, it's, it really is the financial institution's money, right? Yeah. Um, so you say, hey, listen, I didn't make that charge. They refund your card. Or you say, most of my card was used uh, fraudulently. They cut the card off and they send you a new card overnight. Yeah. Whereas if it's a debit card, again, now you're trying to figure out what to do with the money that's been depleted from your account. Yeah. So, yeah. I, and I it's definitely. 
<laughs> well, so you, you probably will get that money back, but you're dealing with a whole a whole world of, of pain and, and problems with having to, again, address any kind of uh, checks that bounce or anything, any fees you've accrued because of that. Yeah. So the recommendation would be, uh, again, my opinion would be to use a credit card just because of the protections that are in place. And do debit, do, do debit cards are, get hit more than, and, than credit cards? Because I feel like more people probably have a debit card because, you know, there's a lot of people out there who probably, you know, maybe don't have great credit. Their credit was ruined, uh, circumstances beyond their control, maybe a loss of uh, job, employment, things of that nature where they've gotten behind. Right. Um, do debit cards get hit more or is, is it credit because it's like it's harder? Because I feel like credit's like, and I, I'm going to sound like a little bit ignorant, but I feel like it's kind of like fake money. You know what I mean? For everybody involved. I know it's not. Right. But like when there's, when it's a debit, when it's coming for, out of your bank account, it's like, oh, that's real money. Like, and that might just be like, oh, like not thinking right. <laughs> no, no. So, I mean, you're not thinking right as a standard. Um, but the Thank thing you is for this, clarifying. Yeah, the thing is this, the, the debit card. So I, I think you probably see slightly less compromise. Um, and again, it really does depend on what type of scheme because the debit cards are, are compromised with ATM fraud, uh, where they actually will install a camera. Skimmer? Oh, camera. So, you know, yes, the skimmer coupled with a camera because the complication with the debit card is a lot of times you have to enter your pin. So with a credit card, more often than not, that's not the case. So, Which is crazy, by the way, because, sorry to interrupt yeah. you, in, in Europe, I know in England, there's pin numbers attached to your credit card. Right. Like you have to, like if you go out to eat in a restaurant, right. they bring you your thing back the, the, with the little reader right. and they tell you to enter in your pin. Is that correct? So they, <laughs> so that was the, that was part of the whole thing with going to the EMV chip, that little, that little microchip that's implanted in your uh -huh. card now. Um, Europe's gone to chip and pin. So absolutely. You, and you insert your card or you dip your card as they refer to it and you enter a pin, uh, mm -hmm. pin to, uh, to access the, uh, to allow the charge. Over there, they've taken a step further where most of their cards, if not all of them, no longer have the magnetic stripe on the back. Okay. Okay. And the benefit, or and that is a better security measure from the standpoint, and we'll we'll do a demonstration later too, at how easily people can steal people, scammers can steal your credit card information just by swiping your card. There's no protection from reading that information. So that's magnetized <laughs> data. That's it. So that so the chip just makes us feel like we're safer. Well, so the chip, you, you can you can still compromise the chip, uh, read the information, um, but the chip, what it does is it 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 no longer allows the terminal. To read that data so the transaction itself is secure so you're not going to be compromised by a, a malicious point of sale um uh terminal that's reading your information whereas well, if you well, what does that mean sure. <laughs> i just so, look cross-eyed <laughs> so when, when you swipe your card there's yeah. nothing to protect that data on the on the strip it, using the strip so if you if you if you swipe that and it's referred to stripe strip uh both are acceptable industry terms um but if, if you re, if you stripe uh excuse me if you swipe it that card information is read. Going to have the card number, mm -hmm. excuse me, the account number, the account holder, the expiration, a lot of the details, right? Um, the EMV chip, when you insert that into the terminal, the terminal does not have the ability to read that data. So that's the benefit. So it's like it encrypts it or something? Or it's, it, it's an encrypted transaction. Okay. So, which is, which is beneficial from that standpoint. But like we were discussing, it doesn't necessarily prevent me from, as a criminal, stealing your card inserting it into a reader, um, one of many readers that are available mm -hmm. and still getting the same exact card data. Mm -hmm. Um, the benefit of the chip and pin is if I steal your card, I now need to also have the knowledge of what your pin might be. Right. Whereas with the swiping, it's 
transaction, right? So it's just, it's, it's done. We have the chip and signature over here. So, and that's, I think it's a product of Americans. We want access to our funds immediately. We don't want to memorize 14,000 different pins. So you make the decision to insert your card. You sometimes sign now, sometimes not. Right. I don't, uh, I don't know. Like I remember the last time I s- yeah. signed anything. Right. Now, so. <laughs> what's, what's crazy is if you, um, I'm pretty sure there is a pin though for, we just don't have to enter it. I'm pretty positive. I have pins set up on, uh, my credit cards, but you never enter it. Like it's, it's, maybe it's a security measure. If I call them, they ask me like, or maybe it's to pull out cash. Is it to pull out cash withdrawal? That may, that may be if you're trying to like a cash advance. Yeah, cash advance. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the traditional transaction is just insert that chip and your transaction should be processed. I mean, you can sign Donkey Kong on that receipt and it doesn't matter. It doesn't, yeah. it's not going to prevent the transaction. It's not like it verifies your signature characteristics. You know, it's crazy. My, so. my uh, niece and nephew, they were like, just there at that age where you start learning, oh, I want, I need a signature. Right. And they were like, they asked me, so like when you swipe your car and you pay for something, does your signature have to match your license and your credit card? I'm like, right. oh my God. But I used to think like that. I was like, yeah. oh, you got to make sure you're, because that's a way to protect yourself. Right. <laughs> it's well, completely nonsense though. Well, that's, that's, that's what was required as part of the, the payment process. You had to insert your card and, and sign the, sign the document. And that was part of the, the standards um, to Is that achieve, when they used to, to like swipe it like Home Alone 2? <laughs> When they drag that thing across, right? Yeah, the father. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's crazy how um, uh, I don't want to say how we're we're behind, but the it feels like there's so many simple steps that can be done, and, and whether people don't want to do them because of oh, it's an inconvenience. Like to me, the pin on a credit card so so important. Like to me, that I feel like. If you want to stop, like how many jobs would that probably save at, at like the credit card companies right. where they're not chasing this and that and, and trying to get fraud. It's like, if you had, does that add an extra layer and how much so is if, if you had a pin number on your credit card? So it's one of the, it's one of the most interesting arguments in any, in, in most fields with dealing with this type of stuff. Um, it's the security versus convenience argument. Yeah. So as a consumer, do you want to have to memorize it? pin for each of your cards, right? Because you shouldn't have the same one for everyone, right? I would. Is again, it? you compromise one, you compromise them also. Now you're taking the extra hurdle of it's having like a email pin address. for each, right? Um, and the same thing with the credit freeze. Should we all have our credit profiles frozen? Absolutely. Yeah. But you also have to say to yourself as a consumer, are there, are there consumers out there that wouldn't want to have to sit there and go the extra steps of unfreezing their credit profile every time they want to apply for credit? Right. Now, I don't know why you're applying for credit so frequently. <laughs> But if you were inclined to do so, you're going to sit there and say, I'm not going to take that extra step, yeah, yeah. especially in the situation of like a credit card. So my card's compromised. That stinks. But I call the company and say, hey, listen, my card was compromised. They overnight me a new one. Yeah. Now you don't even have like you could just so, get on the app and be like, yo, yeah, right. Closes down. That wasn't me. Well, it's interesting, right? To see the I didn't shift. go on vacation last week. <laughs> well, no. And, and to your point, though, it, it's interesting. But it feels like you don't need proof anymore a little bit. Yeah. No. But that's the thing. So it's like. You've seen a shift where they've made it easier to report the fraud yeah. and you activate the card and get a new card, then maybe uh, focus rather than a focus on preventative measures. Yeah. So I think there are companies that are far better than, than others at fraud prevention and their fraud teams are, are really on the ball. Um, we're not going to put anyone on blast here. No, 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 because we want all the sponsorships. So, right. All the sponsorships, <laughs> whichever one. 
But so. here, here, the credit, the credit freeze. Now, right. If you said, I, oh, you said, um, I don't know why you're applying for credit. Oh, that's my question. Is the credit freeze like, do you have to make a phone call and then be on hold? Or is it, you can do this all online. You said we are going to like show and like do a video yeah. to show how it's done, but it, it's, is it a simple process? Is it a long process? Is it just for the listeners out there? Like I'm sure they can Google credit freeze, but right. to me, like you said, yeah, I mean, you never know someone's situation. They might have to pull out credit. They might have to get a, a, a you know, a line of equity on their house or whatever. And, um, you know, it's like, Oh God, I don't want to make a phone call. Like right. it, it, but it's a lot simpler than that. Absolutely. So that's one of the things we're going to focus on. Anything we're going to discuss as far as preventative measures, it's going to be both practical and quick, right? Mm -hmm. Any laborious process, well, I'm going to go through a credit freeze process and deal with my bank and everything else. Yeah. No, we're not even going to waste their time because no one's going to do it. Right? Oh, no. So especially, this, especially now during these times, there's a lot of phone calls being made to banks and credit card companies. And always. Like, right. yeah. if, you can avoid, if you can avoid that, then, then it's to your benefit. So we'll, uh, we'll show the video and it's going to be a very quick to the point video. Yeah. Um, but you'll see, you'll, you'll be able to place a freeze on all three profiles, probably within five minutes, if, if it even takes that long. And that freezes, you only have to do, do you have to do a credit freeze for each account you have open? Like if you had a line with your bank or if you have a- No, so it, it'd just be, you'd be going to the three major credit bureaus, placing a freeze with them, and that will take care of it. Is that all on one website or is it it's like- not one website. Oh, see, it's, now it's, I'm out. It's, it's, <laughs> it is three websites. So you are going to have to type in a couple, you know, a couple keys there, but- um, no, it's, it's a very, very quick process. And, um, what that does is again, that prevents any future credit from being established. Mm -hmm. So there's really no real, uh, or there's not much incentive, I should say, um, for a criminal to steal your profile. Okay. And then here's my question. Cause like I, yeah, you get it on, if you go on, um, credit karma uh, Experian, right. That's the other one. Uh, what's the difference? It, it, Cause I you see soft inquiry, 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 inquiry yeah. Ooh, and hard inquiry. Right. <laughs> And I always feel like, oh, that soft one's just like, they're, they're dipping their toes in to see if they can get me. Is that true? So uh, that's- Because like, what is that? Right. <laughs> like the hard one, I'll, you'll show it. It'll show like Amex, like for when you apply for a credit card, you'll right. see the hard one. What is the soft one? <laughs> so you'll, you'll see sometimes when, the, the, when they'll advertise that, listen, we'll, we'll query your credit, but it's not going to affect your credit profile. Yeah. That's, that's where you start to have the distinctions between a hard, uh, hard inquiry versus a soft inquiry. Uh -huh. And- you do want to pay attention to those because you're spot on. I mean, that's one of the, okay. that's one of the oldest, yeah, that's one of the oldest fraud t attempts is I'll steal your credit card as a criminal and you'll go ahead and make a, a, a dollar charge just to see if it works. So it is like they're dipping their toes it's in. It's 100% and it's spot on. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. once they say, once they have processed that successfully, it's, it's a green light. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for them to continue down the road. So no, it's, 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 it's spot on, but the, the credit freeze will prevent any, anything of monetary value from being obtained using your profile. Okay. So. Yeah. Cause I was like, I was on it the other day and I'm like, what is that? Yeah. And then I, this was uh, probably right before uh, my thing got swiped for like three grand at that shelving store. Okay. I was like, what are these soft inquiries? Cause I, I took me a couple years, uh, to, you know, rebuild everything. And then it, it you see that and I'm like, right. What? I already have, I have my two credit cards that right. I use. Um, what is that? And now, now I know. So, so that's the thing though, is it was when you see that those, those suspicious inquiries, right? A lot of people are like, Oh, I'm not going to do anything about it. Did yeah. they get anything? No, it's fine. I'm not going to bother the police with it. They're busy, et cetera, et cetera. Bother the police with it. <laughs> You know what I mean? And I say, and I say that knowing that, um, any, uh, any colleagues, any people, men and women in law enforcement are like, hell, so we have enough work, which yes, they certainly do. But the thing is this, if they, 
if they've submitted your application, depending on how it was submitted, it was either in person or done online, you may have some viable leads there to pursue. To, to help out, not only to yourself, identi- well, to but identify like the suspect responsible. Other people who could right. be getting hit. Now, okay. now, now, think about this. I mean, we have plenty of cases where you'll have that one inquiry, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, that will lead to the identification of a suspect who used that profile. Mm-hmm. Now, you ask them, you, you interview them, um, try to get their cooperation going forward, and maybe they identify where they got that profile from, that identity from. So now you've identified not only the person who was using it, kind of the lower level guy, but yeah. who sold it to them. Did okay. they buy from the dark web? Did they buy from an individual who works at a cell phone company? <laughs> it's, it's that wide of a range here, people. I'm just saying, yeah. The dark I mean, web, uh, I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah. We'll, we'll save that, though. That's a whole, I feel yeah, like that's a, a, that's a wormhole. It is, of, yeah. Uh, uh, but it's, it's, that's crazy that the soft inquiry, because I, it, it doesn't even, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but when I was looking at it, like the hard inquiries made sense because it shows you, hey, this is what exactly just happened. Here, here's the not, merchant might not be the right word, but I remember seeing like, uh, um, if you go back, like when I, you go back in your credit profile, it'll be like Amex or Visa or Chase. And I'm like, oh, that's when I applied for that. That right. makes sense. It's usually identifiable. Soft right. inquiry is like, here yeah. I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's it about? It's just soft. <laughs> yeah, I guess. It was just a little tap. Yeah, no, I guess that's, I guess that's been your experience. I don't know that I've experienced it in the same way, but uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know? So. Well, listen, this was, uh, I feel like this was a good first, first run at this, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's informative. Um, I'm excited to talk about, I mean, there's a whole wide range of things like the dark webs is going right. to be fun, protecting yourself, your loved ones. Um, today we learned to put on, put, put that credit freeze on. Credit freeze, absolutely. Put yeah. that credit freeze on. And we will do a video yeah. um, showing how to do that. He, uh, Cyber Sleuth here says it's a very simple process. It is. Um, and it's one that could save you a lot of time, heartbreak, and money. Absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and, and again, these are these are the tools that will help you. I highly recommend doing it to, for yourself, but then your family members as well. Right. So, uh, friends, again, the, the best way that we're going to combat this is to get this, get all of this information out to our friends and family. Mm-hmm. If you have somebody that you can do it for them, absolutely go do it for them. You know what I mean? Um, lock it down, make it, make your profile useless to these guys. Yeah. And there's no reason for them to target you. Yeah. You basically want to make yourself as useless as possible. When it comes well, to this issue. I, I, no, I just kind of feel like you've been striving for that your entire life. Um, <laughs> It's more, it's more to make yourself less appealing to become a victim, right? Right, right. You're so. basically, you don't want to be, you're not in the, um, the dating period of, of identity theft. You guys, you've been married for 35 years. You're over it. You're useless to each other. I don't even know. I don't even know how to respond to that. I will say sure. You know, you just want to put that guard up and say no more. Yeah. Well, I, and, and listen to me again, these are this, that's just one, one aspect of a compromise, right? Uh, we mentioned telephone scams, but what definitely wanted to discuss is things like romance scams, where you have these people who fall in love with people online. Oh yeah, it happens um, to me like every day. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, what, what what regardless of the platform that you're speaking on, um, it's an it's an individual that will uh, basically pull at your heartstrings. But the reason I want to cover that type of scam and and, and others is we have cases where somebody sent one hundred and forty thousand dollars <sighs> their life savings overseas to somebody that was a fraudster. Yeah, see, sex and love will do that, you know? It's 
listen, it's a, it's a devious combination, right? Yeah, um, it's dangerous. It, it's, and it's a real problem, but uh, things like that. And we certainly want to cover some of the work from home scams that we're seeing, especially in like the COVID-19 era. Oh, yeah. Where, right? listen, you're at home, you make, here's your opportunity to make money. Um, <sighs> yeah, we'll send, you, we'll send you packages, things of that nature. We'll, we'll discuss how, how to spot those as fraudulent. I'm pretty sure, and I wanted to bring this up to you before we started, um, but you just brought that up and maybe we can talk about this the next episode. I got a work from home. Got to pull that. I got to pull that away. I got to work from home because it's going to ping with the audio here. Yeah. Um, $500 an hour they offered me. Good. Do it. <laughs> and I thought I was like, oh, we should bring it up to, to the cyber sleuth here. And like, maybe we could, uh, you know, maybe you can do your work behind the scenes. But I was like, that's obviously fake. But I could see, you know, during these weird, difficult, strange times that- sure. You're at home, you're trying to put food on the table, you, you know, and, and, you know, these, your point here, and, and I think for this podcast is like, these people are, you know, the lowest of the low a little bit, right? I right. mean, you're, you're, you're stealing somebody's livelihood, which right. is, is, is absolutely disgusting. I'll say it if you won't. It's disgusting. It, it's, right. and it's hateful. And, um, and we want to, you know, you want to protect people yeah. out there. And well, the uh, problem is, I mean, it's, I think there's still a little bit of like a societal, um, position where it's like, oh, it's just identity theft. It's, it's no, you know, who, who cares? Yeah, and it's the it's bank's faceless. money. But if you've ever been, if you've ever been the victim of identity theft, you know, it's, it doesn't stop there. It oh. causes a lot of pain, a lot of heartache because now you're, you feel exposed. Yeah. So now you, you don't know who else has your information and, and what else they're going to do with it. So, uh, and we'll talk about phone. Uh, there's another really problematic scam where they do a phone number porting. So they steal your phone account, transfer it to a new line your phone, your phone line, all you'll see is, uh, no signal available. You'll say, what is this about? Is my phone on damaged your cell phone? on your cell phone? Okay. And that's a method of defeating the dual factor authentication to get into your accounts and things oh, of that nature. Oh, Like when you get that text or whatever. Yeah. It's, and it's a, right. The, the, the access code and it's, and it's a real problem, but things like that, um, we're seeing people apply for jobs on, um, some of the very popular job sites and they look, they look great as yeah. far as the fraudsters posts but they'll apply for it. And then all of a sudden they'll be working for a month and they'll, they'll, they'll have some arrangement and all of a sudden they'll realize that they're out $5,000 direct deposit, baby. We pay you direct deposit. So stuff like and that. We'll, and we'll, and we'll talk about some of the, uh, again, some of the telltale signs that those are fraudulent because again, you see, uh, some advert advertisement on one of these sites and you're thinking, Oh, that's probably vetted and they do try to do what they can, but you have to understand scammers. This is what they do for a living. Yeah. It's their job. That's so their career. When you try to get out ahead of them, they, again, they pivot and they'll come up with some new, some new tactics. So, but, the biggest message I want to get out there is we do find these guys. So they, they, they get away with it for a little bit possibly, or we shut them down immediately. But with our knowledge base, with all of us working together, we can effectively do something to, to stop them. Nice. And so, it's, it's a cat and mouse game. And eventually yeah. the mouse <laughs> gets caught. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you guys so much for listening. This was a very, very fun episode. Yeah. If you have any questions or inquiries, where, uh, where can they email at right now? So uh, if you want to send any, any stories, any issues you may have that you want specifically addressed, uh, contact us at info at thecybersleuth.net. Info at thecybersleuth.net. Send us whatever information or questions you may have, and we'll try to bring it up on the next podcast and see if we can't give you some, uh, some unique insight into being able to prevent this uh, or whatever your issue may be in the future. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> info at the cybersleuth.net. Info at the cybersleuth.net. Thank you guys so much for listening. Wow, we hope you enjoyed it. You found it informative. Thank you, Cybersleuth. Yes, Steven. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
<laughs> Until next time, guys. <laughs>